This episode of News Dump is brought to you by Purple and by HelloFresh. There are absolutely three guarantees that we experience as humans. Death, taxes, and news about MoviePass. The ultimately doomed company that sacrificed itself and millions of dollars worth of investment money to kickstart the movie theater screening subscription model that has since been adopted by theater chains themselves with great success. MoviePass is sort of a Christ-like figure. Exactly. In the, uh, the business world. They, MoviePass died for all of our sins Yes. to open up a new world for I, everyone. I look a couple thousand years in the future, I see that there's an entire religion based off MoviePass. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that success of the subscription model, it was kind of short-lived because of the pandemic, yeah. which put a complete halt to the theater-going experience for an extended period of time. What did MoviePass know? And when did they know it? But MoviePass was the OG, allowing customers to pay a low monthly fee and see as many movies as they wanted to before eventually losing so much money that they had to uh, continuously alter the deal, uh, then withhold certain screenings from customers, uh, and then attempt those to block those customers from deleting their accounts, and also just a handful of other scandals that played out on a damn near weekly basis before MoviePass was ultimately shut down in 2019 after doing irreparable harm to their parent company, Helios and Matheson Analytics. They had a brilliant business model where the more successful they got, the more money they lost. Mm -hmm. And God bless them for it. Yeah, we few, all loved it. Few companies are that brave. Exactly. Exactly. So they died in 2019. In the months that followed, there were a couple little signs of life for the baffling yet beloved former company, with the most notable being an alleged relaunch of the platform back in March of this year. Uh, there were a bunch of theories about the MoviePass relaunch back then. Uh, the website certainly did exist, but it wasn't tied to the official moviepass.com domain. And when questioned about the mysterious site once it started getting press online, former executives had no knowledge of it at all. But that would just be a normal day down at the MoviePass office. We have no idea what goes <laughs> on here. <laughs> uh, there were rumors that a streaming service that had previously been tied to MoviePass was rebranding and relaunching, but a spokesperson denied any connection. There was, and still is, a documentary series being made about MoviePass, and people thought the team behind that might be doing some viral marketing, but they also denied any connection. The most likely answer was the most obvious one. A subreddit and Discord server dedicated to MoviePass fandom appears to have created the site as either a prank, an attempt to market their subreddit and server, or more diabolically, a way to pump up the value of Helios and Matheson <laughs> stock before inevitably, inevitably dumping it for a quick payday. Yeah, it seems to be that that was the case. And, uh, but the claims back then were that it was a marketing tool to boost the traffic on their uh, subreddit and Discord server, but then they got nervous about uh, the influx of people because of the rumors that they were doing a pump and dump scheme. Mm. So they kind of shot themselves in the foot. Either way, uh, there was a big countdown that just ended up with nothing, just absolutely nothing. But now, in November, MoviePass is actually back, baby. I mean, at least we think so. And at least there is some actual significance behind the news and rumors this time around that would lead us and other outlets to believe that a MoviePass relaunch might actually happen. Whether it's actually worth anyone's time and isn't just another doomed attempt to carve out a profitable niche in the movie theater ticketing or home streaming market, that remains to be seen. But it looks like, much like America, MoviePass is back. So what makes this time and this news about MoviePass's return and relaunch different? How is it real this time? Well, it's because one of the app's original co-founders has bought back the company 
and is looking to actually relaunch it as soon as next year. Here's Business Insider with the scoop. MoviePass co-founder Stacy Spikes. Is that a character we ever talked about? Stacy Spikes? It was a co-founder. The other one was the barrel guy. I can't remember his name. Yeah, it's been so long. Yeah. Anyway, MoviePass co-founder Stacy Spikes was granted ownership of the company by a Southern District of New York bankruptcy court judge who approved the sale on Monday, according to court documents reviewed by Insider. Spikes had placed a bid of an undisclosed amount to the trustee handling the bankruptcy of Helios and Matheson Analytics, the former parent company of MoviePass. Quote, I can confirm that we acquired MoviePass out of bankruptcy on Wednesday, Spikes said in a statement to Insider. We are thrilled to have it back and are exploring the possibility of relaunching soon. Our pursuit to reclaim the brand was encouraged by the continued interest from the movie-going community. We believe, if done properly, theatrical subscription can play an instrumental role in lifting movie-going attendance to new heights. Buddy, people did love this app, but I think that you're... You might be mistaken on uh, how well this will perform now. Yeah. Uh, continues. MoviePass was part of a bankruptcy auction of Helios and Matheson assets in June 2020, but there were no competitive bids at the time the auction ended. <laughs> we, we could have bought MoviePass. We could have. Nobody wanted it. Shit. The problem was is that they oh. started the value at $250,000. Yeah, so yeah. the minimum bid set by the trustee was $250,000. There's your problem. I'll give you five hundred. Yeah, I mean, we would have bought it for yeah, maybe a thousand dollars or something like that, just to just to have it so no one else could. Yeah, yeah. Uh, HMNY listed the estimated value of MoviePass between one million and ten million dollars, according to Variety. Uh, no, <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Spikes told Insider that since this summer, he'd been working on putting the money together to place a bid to get the company back. He said he made the offer last month. Those spikes would not disclose the amount. He said his bid was lower than the $250,000 minimum the trustee set back in 2020. Fine, just take it. Good, good. Stacy Spikes already, already uh, playing the long game. Better too. with money than the entire movie pass uh, first time around. Guys, I know that you all really want to jump back in and, and place at least a $250,000 bid for movie pass, but I, I, I'm telling you, just wait. Yeah. No one will bid on it, and we'll get it at a steal. Already uh, doing much more sound financial uh, decision-making than before. So this is promising. Yeah. Uh, Spikes hopes to relaunch MoviePass sometime next year. A new site has been created for the relaunch, IWantMoviePass.com. <laughs> <laughs> a totally real website. And its logo will now feature a black background with white lettering, ditching its previous red background. That's new. It's a new update. That punished MoviePass. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I don't really want to talk right now. I'm changing my logo to black and white. <laughs> Having a rough day. It'll, it'll shed that when, uh, when it relaunches. It'll go back to the red, I assure you. It's back, baby. Yeah. Uh, now, it should probably go without saying that uh, we are not entirely confident that this is going to be a resounding success. And... We still have a lot of the exact same concerns that we previously had when the company was still a functioning business several years ago. How are they going to offer a service that has a competitive value when compared to someone just buying a ticket directly from the movie theater chain and still making enough money to continue operating on their own? That's the eternal question with this business model. <laughs> it's one that we had at the beginning of this business model. Yeah, one that uh, seems unanswerable now that the theater chains themselves have gotten into the uh, movie pass, yeah. lowercase uh, business. Yeah, in, in the two biggest theater chains in the country, Regal and AMC, 
already have decently affordable subscription models that are fully operational and work seamlessly within their own apps. Um, yeah, it would be like, like originally we were like, well, yeah, I mean, MoviePass is just burning through a bunch of VC money, so get in while the getting's good. But it would be hilarious if now they, for whatever reason, took the same approach that like Lyft and Uber are doing. They're like, guys, boom, we're back. You can see as many movies as you want every month, and it's only $125 a month. I mean, even that would be, well, you'd have to watch about 10 movies to really get a... a In LA, it would be six or seven movies to get the value a month. When MoviePass first started, way back, before it was even a national thing, I think it was only available in LA and New York, it was like $100 a month, but, or I think it was like $50 a month, but it, it it was still enough that like, Unless you were seeing a movie or two every week, you were getting ripped off. Mm-hmm. But that was a sustainable business model. And then they came in, they're like nine ninety nine, and you yeah. can see whatever you want. Yeah, insane. So as fun as funny as it is to see MoviePass not only back in the news but legitimately relaunching its service, we can only imagine that its revival will be pretty short lived. We would love to be wrong about this, and you know we you know potentially magically return to the days of all you can see movies for ten dollars a month. But it seems unlikely to happen. Also, which VC firms are going to give them more money again? Uh, maybe they're just going to play the AMC thing where it's just like, hey, we're going to go public immediately and people are just going to buy the hell out of this stock. We're going to be a billion dollar company right out of the gate. But uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to watch. I, I can't imagine anything they launch with being affordable and worthwhile considering the fact that there are already subscription models with AMC and Regal that work just fine and are uh, tw- between $20 and $25 a month. Yeah. Which is two movies or one movie if you're in Los Angeles. And they make you feel special. You get to line up in your own special line. <laughs> yeah. You get like a free popcorn every couple movies you go to. Yeah, it's, they get uh, discounts on uh, yeah. concessions. So it seems like it's really... And the funny thing is, is like the AMC subscription model uh, was born directly f- from animosity towards MoviePass, yeah. who assumed that AMC would be more than willing yeah, to they, sacrifice some of its own profits to work directly MoviePass with them. MoviePass kept approaching AMC, being like, guys, this is a perfect relationship. And AMC's like, fuck off, fuck off, fuck off. And finally, they're like, uh, so uh, we, we're launching this new thing, AMC Stubbs, by the way. Yeah. Brand new idea. <laughs> Nobody's ever heard of it. It's going to be awesome. But you continue to fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we'll still watch from the sidelines as this all progresses because it is it is fascinating to see this brand drag itself up from the grave once again. Uh, maybe they can keep the company afloat by selling some kind of gaudy-based NFTs this time around. Or they can charge like $1,000 per ticket because you'll get some kind of visual representation of the movie that you've just seen on the blockchain. Oh, shit. Yeah, like you go, yeah. you're like, well, I'm going to see, um, you know, uh, what's a movie? Dune. I'm going to see Dune through MoviePass. Uh, why are you going to see Dune through MoviePass? It costs $1,000. Oh, because I get a sandworm NFT when yeah. I go. It, it knows that I went to the movie and it issues me a sandworm photo that has it's tokenized on the blockchain. Yeah. Don't even pretend. Don't even claim that I haven't seen Dune. It's on the blockchain. Yes, it is verifiable. There. Just pull out uh, something tokenradar.com and you can see all those numbers. Yeah. That's me. Yeah. We burned through a small country's entire annual CO2 emissions to prove that I was there on opening night. I, I point out again when we're talking about blockchain and NFT stuff, uh, specifically, there are 
not the main ones, but there are energy efficient. There are, but people, NFTs especially, continue to mostly be on Ethereum, which I do not understand the logic of when uh, Solana, when proof of uh, stake yeah. blockchains are. Well, you would hope that MoviePass wouldn't yeah. do it through ETH. Like the gas fees alone would be like. We're, insane. we're talking about hypothetical movie passing the blockchain here. So Oh, uh, don't say it's hypothetical, Elliot. You know they're gonna announce some kind of blockchain bullshit. Yeah. Anyways, if you thought we weren't gonna mention the blockchain or NFTs this episode, yeah, you're dead wrong. It's the news doesn't stop. And if you're sick of hearing about them, I mean you can skip forward. We got chapters. Yeah. There is simply no stopping. The entertainment and tech industry's mass adoption of this surefire money-making opportunity. NFTs, so hot right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, the past two weeks have been a real watershed moment for NFTs as more and more seemingly legitimate companies <laughs> have at the very least started mentioning their intention to embrace digital collectibles backed by the blockchain. We've been pretty blunt in our analysis of this trend. Uh, a, companies see this as an incredibly easy way to make a bunch of money for little to no effort whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Just pff, JPEGs. Sure, there you go. And profit. And B, any company who doesn't mention NFTs or the blockchain during their regularly scheduled investor calls or earning reports right now is essentially dead in the water because they will be viewed negatively by their investors for not adapting to trends or embracing the future of digital media or some bullshit like that. Yeah. Uh, recently, it's been gaming brands alongside movie and TV studios who have tossed around the idea of integrating NFTs into their business models. But now, major record labels have joined the mix in a very stupid way. And first off, yes, we are very aware that mixing music and NFTs has been a thing since the beginning, mostly with EDM producers collaborating with visual artists to not only provide an audio track to the piece, but also to add both credibility and value to the product as well. Oh, Zed did that? Let me just get out my wallet. By wallet, I mean this Chrome add-on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And look, that's fine. Whatever. Do whatever you want with your own money. Music track with some art, great. You want to pay for money for that? Fine. Just don't burn down half the earth in the process. Whatever makes you happy. What was announced this week was much, much dumber than that. Universal Music Group, UMG, has announced that they are forming a super group made up of cartoon avatars from the Bored Ape Yacht Club collection of NFTs who will apparently perform inside the metaverse. Are you tired of buzzwords yet? Yes. Why are you more excited? They're performing in the metaverse, Grandpa. Now I now, don't want to live anymore. <laughs> why am I still alive? Uh, well, now when you go home, they're gonna be like, instead of, hey, uh, all these buttons on the remote, can you fix the TV for me? They're gonna be like, Elliot, how do you plug me into the metaverse? I want to watch old episodes of Dick Van Dyke. We don't have a metaverse plug in here. <laughs> Anyways, um, here's more information from uh, Bloomberg News. The world's largest music company has created a band of four virtual apes. If that sentence makes you question your sanity or the state of Western civilization, you aren't alone. Universal Music Group NV is combining two hot digital concepts that you've likely read about in the past year. Non-fungible tokens, NFTs, and the metaverse. Universal Music the home to top-selling musicians like Drake and Taylor Swift is working with collector Jimmy McNellis to convert four of his NFTs into a band called Kingship. Kingship consists of four digital characters, three bored apes, and one mutant ape, <laughs> all part of an NFT collection known as the Bored Ape Yacht Club. 
Uh, and they add that a... Uh, I feel like everything that happens recently is specifically made to anger you. It's seeming that way. I, more and more, I'm believing that you are the main character on the, it. I, I, I'm starting to come around to simulation theory. Yeah. But like only in the sense that like I am being tortured specifically. I've begun Everyone to dissociate else from myself because yeah. I feel like I'm a, a like a character in your reality. I've been put into a metaverse that was designed specifically to just annoy the shit out of me. Yeah. And I don't like it. <laughs> Unplug. So they, the article also adds that a sub-label of UMG is hiring a team of artists and animators to take the apes as they appear in the original NFTs and turn them into 3D renders and will be hiring musicians to produce music for them so they can perform as a band in the metaverse. This is just fucking gorillas. But gorillas, Damon Albarn is a fantastically talented songwriter and musician. <laughs> yeah. He... No one would give a fuck about gorillas if the music wasn't really, really good. The music yeah. came first, and the the silly other shit with the uh, I can never remember the the guy's name, but the guy the comic book artist. Yeah, he did like Tank Girl. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but that's the thing. It was like a lot of bands, a lot of big bands have side projects, and it's like if Gorillas wasn't even an animated project, it would have still been successful because yeah. the music was really good. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't think even uh, the people behind Gorillaz expected it to be as successful as it was. I mean, Blur was already like yeah, one of the biggest bands fine. in the world. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I guess my little weird cartoon animal side project is now my main thing. Yeah. Um, uh, they're trying to recreate that, but in the wrong order and in the most cynical, like greedy way possible. Oh, you mean like everything that the entertainment industry does that is popular? Sure, but like with music. Let's reverse engineer this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, with music, it has to be like it completely relies on it being quality and good because well now that i think about it like this does sort of uh this does make sense as sort of the next step in k-pop stuff because that music extremely corporate well, so that was extremely, uh, like, I, I mentioned it in the script but that actually is one of the reasons that uh he started gorillas what was it was like sort of a take on boy bands at the time yeah and constructing these groups out of nothing and making them big just because they were these constructed groups. Mm. That was like one of the original intentions behind Gorillaz. So that actually- Way ahead of his time. Yeah, it makes <laughs> sense as you're relaying this information into the future of the metaverse and yeah. bands performing. This is all Damon Albarn's fault. We hit up every single <laughs> artist in our roster and we told them that they'd be performing in the metaverse very soon and they all said, fuck you, that's stupid. So yeah. what we did was we bought a band and we're gonna put them in the metaverse. Get fucked, Taylor Swift. <sighs> um, but anyways, that article continues. You can call it an NFT band or think of them as characters, Celine Joshua, the head of 1022, said in an interview this week. The characters will come to life. The apes will come to life. Joshua and her team are going to create these characters' stories from scratch. They will put together a marketing campaign to introduce the apes to potential fans, explain how they met, and describe who they are. Quote, it's just like the way we introduce new artists to the world, she said. Except you're making it all... Fucking goddammit. We're going to create... Sto have, here's a new concept. We're going to create stories about these characters. Yeah. You like music? Well, get this. You're going to know things about the people doing the music. Have you ever thought... Have you Pretty ever looked at a deal. character in any piece of media and thought, I wonder what their backstory is? Well, we're going to create one. I do like the idea of them, like, uh, just all these people that dropped, like crazy amounts of money on these these bored apes and then finally like now they, they did that not knowing like any canonical information about yeah. the uh, fictional world of bored apes and 
they make it so they're just like, yeah, they're all gay and uh, <laughs> wow, my ape's a pedophile. <laughs> Every <laughs> they're all pedophiles. <laughs> Not <clean. laughs> yeah. Yeah, they uh, yeah they they're the hottest new band on the scene. They molest. Children. Why do you think they sit on a yacht in international <laughs> waters? <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Nothing weird about a bunch of middle-aged apes out on a yacht in the middle yeah. of the ocean, right? Yep. All dressed in fancy clothes. You didn't think that was weird? They got their own private island. You didn't <laughs> question that? No. They're on the the Epstein flight logs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wait, bought, here, right here. You should love that. You bought the NFT. Kingship, right here. Uh, anyways, as for how much the band is currently worth, uh, probably hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, especially now that they are in a famous band. But at least one of them, that golden ape, is currently valued at $190,000, according to that article. So sky's the limit, I guess. Um, and, and yes, if you are screaming at the screen, saying this is exactly like Gorillaz, as we already pointed out, everyone thinks that. But at least Gorillaz was a meta commentary on boy bands and how music was being consumed at the time. Gorillaz makes great music. We have no idea what Kingship will sound like yet, but it better be incredible or they're gonna lose their value really, really quickly. You would think. Wait till they get outed like Millie Vanilli. Yeah. They're not even singing! <laughs> it's insane. But yeah, this is uh, very soulless and bleak. Yeah. And I don't think they're even the only one. No. There's, there's multiple NFT music groups being developed from that same collection of NFTs, actually, because yeah. Timbaland also just announced that he's created a new metaverse company called Ape In Productions, and they've just signed a bunch of bored apes who make up a hip-hop group called The Zoo. God damn it. <laughs> so their music might actually beat Kingship to become the first NFT cartoon supergroup, whatever, to release a track. Because they apparently have a single that is set to be released next week called Ape Shit, but the I is an exclamation point. Yeah. Not is, swearing. So we can sell it in Walmart. And this is obviously produced by Timbaland himself. Uh, here's Variety. The Ape in production roster will feature a se select group of bored apes who will release original music and animation in the metaverse as NFTs. By acquiring these NFTs, collectors will also gain access to a host of exclusive items such as merchandise, community building events, virtual studio sessions, and animated concerts performed by AIP's roster in the Bored Ape Yacht Club world. Just fucking stop it. Stop the planet. Stop the planet. Put me on the rocket, Mr. Branson. Um, Mr. <clears throat> Musk, get me out of here. Send me to Mars where I will suffocate and die within seconds. I... Again, with the simulation theory, it is just so perfect that the end of the entire world is being rapidly accelerated by climate change, and one of the main causes of that is going to be the blockchain, which yeah. hosts these NFTs and metaverses. It's almost as if the environment was like, I've had enough. Yeah. Yeah. Fine, do what you want. <laughs> See if I fucking care. I'll be, when you guys are gone, I'll be so happy. And by guys, I mean humanity. Yeah. But uh, all right, uh, we, we definitely need a break after all of that. And so do you. So let's take a quick moment here to thank today's sponsors, starting with Purple. Are you having trouble to, going to sleep at night because you're worried that all your pixelated dogs and drawings <laughs> of bears are going to decrease in value? Well, we can't fix your brain, but Purple can get you comfortable enough to fall asleep fast with their line of pillows and mattresses designed for ultimate comfort. 
Basically, if you're currently sleeping on a terrible mattress, your sleep will be terrible. It's that simple. That's why we recommend Purple for all your sleeping needs. Purple mattresses have the Gel Flex Grid. It's a super stretchy, ultra squishy material that adapts and flexes around pressure points and doesn't retain heat. The Gel Flex Grid is amazingly supportive for your back and legs while cushioning your shoulders, neck, and hips, no matter how you sleep. Unlike memory foam, which remembers everything, thanks to the Gel Flex Grid, Purple mattresses bounce back as you move and shift. You'll never have that I'm stuck feeling that people get with memory foam. We have a lot of experience with this Gel Flex Grid because Purple sent us some pillows and we very quickly fell in love with these pillows. They are soft, but with plenty of support. And every side is the cool side. Mm -hmm. And you always want to be on the cool side. Exactly. Getting a great night's sleep starts with having a great mattress. So get a Purple mattress. Go to purple.com slash newsdump and use code newsdump. For a limited time, you can get 10% off any order of $200 or more. That is purple.com slash newsdump, code newsdump, for 10% off any order of $200 or more. This episode is also sponsored by HelloFresh. Hello. The NFTs you can eat. Yes, NFTs, new food to try. <laughs> <laughs> the holidays can be hectic, but HelloFresh helps keep things simple with recipes and ingredients that cut out grocery shopping and limit meal prep time so you can spend more of the festive season with friends and family. HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from every week, including vegetarian, calorie smart, and gourmet options, providing plenty of variety. HelloFresh offers the flexibility that you need to easily customize your order on the app within minutes. Uh, easily change your delivery day, food preferences, and plan size, or skip a week whenever you need. Uh, just this week, I had uh, uh, the, the ramen again, which is now one of my favorites. It takes a, a bit to cook it and prepare it. It's you you want to let it more, stew. It's one of the more intensive, uh, intensive ones, but the results are so good. You won't believe that this is made in under an hour. It's, it's actually really, really good. Damn. Yeah. The ingredients travel from the farm to your door within a week. You get the convenience without skipping on the quality. And they're also not just for full meals anymore either. Their marketplace features a variety of add-ons for breakfast, desserts, and seasonal snacks, like Pillsbury pumpkin cookie dough. Mm -hmm. Try HelloFresh today by going to hellofresh.com newsdump14 and use code newsdump14 for up to 14 free meals and three free gifts the season of gifts. Mm -hmm. That's up to 14 free meals and three free gifts by going to hellofresh.com slash newsdump14 and using code newsdump14. hellofresh.com slash newsdump14, promo code newsdump14. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. New food to try. <laughs> All right, back into the news now with an update to YouTube that has a lot of people very upset. YouTube is apparently doing away with the dislike button. A move that has been in the works since at least March of this year. Cowards. Uh, and, okay, they're not completely removing it, which is what some of the information online seems to indicate. They're just making it essentially pointless by removing the number tally from the dislike button while keeping the amount of likes visible. So what's the point? Exactly. Pressing the dislike button is now just a placebo. It's just like, ah, ah, that feels good. Uh, my work here is done. I've disliked the video. Yeah. There is literally no point. Uh, the algorithm will know that you disliked the video, but uh, like you're not going to do anything by hitting it and having people know that it I mean, do dislikes even influence the algorithm? According to YouTube, they do. They said it in the statement that it uh, will show you less of a, if you, like, if you have a theme of a video that you're constantly disliking, you will see less of it. Oh, well that's- Whether or not that works So is, the biggest problem, the my biggest, issue with this is like I go to YouTube to solve very very specific problems I might have with 
tech products, software, hardware, uh, home and repair. often yeah. some of the top results, you click on them and then it's like all dislikes and you're like, okay, well, this doesn't work. I can ignore this because yeah. like or nobody- Or it's like a terrible explanation and it's yeah. way too convoluted. Yeah, so I, you know, having that dislike bar there is very important, uh, especially if you're doing something that could potentially damage the product you're trying to it's, like troubleshoot. It's literally like customer reviews on yeah. websites. Like, yeah, a lot of them are bullshit, but at this point in time, you can pretty clearly sniff out the bullshit ones and yeah. see whether a product's worth getting. But uh, yeah, uh, now you just click it and uh, I hope you feel good about it. Mm -hmm. It's great. Uh, the video's creator will uh, be the only one, the person who created the video is the only one will have who will have access to the amount of dislikes their video received. So at least the creators will feel bad. Maybe I should make better videos. Nah. No, it's the dislike people who are wrong. So uh, why are they doing this? Here is YouTube in their own words. Earlier this year, we experimented with the dislike button to see whether or not changes could help better protect our creators from harassment and reduce dislike attacks where people work to drive up the number of dislikes on a creator's videos. I mean, okay, sure, I, yeah. I see your point. As part of this experiment, viewers could still see and use the dislike button, but because the count was not visible to them, we found that they were less likely to target a video's dislike button to drive up the count. In short, our experimental data showed a reduction in dislike attacking behavior. We also heard directly from smaller creators and those just getting started that they are unfairly targeted by this behavior. And our experiment confirmed that this does occur at a higher proportion on smaller channels. Based on what we learned, we're making the dislike button counts private across YouTube, but the dislike button is not going away. The change will start gradually rolling out today. I mean, they should just ban children from being able to use the dislike button. That seems like it would probably fix most of this. I also want to see, like, behind the scenes, uh, what videos they specifically tested us on. Like, where they're like, oh, people are going to fucking hate this one. Yeah. Oh, they're really going to hate this one. Let's take the count off of this one. So I want to see, like, their algorithm of just, like, what they know people will hate. And it's almost certainly, like, Joe Biden says vaccines are good. But there, there's probably a bunch yeah. in there that you're just like, oh, Jesus, YouTube. Like, your algorithm's kind of scary. Yeah. Um, but um, Joe Biden fills his diaper in front of everyone. Those videos, lots of dislikes. Yeah. Uh, but they add that uh, creators will still be able to find their exact dislike counts in YouTube Studio along with other existing methods. Why would you ever look at that? <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, if they, that's if they would like to understand how their content is performing. I, I want to feel bad. I, I, I don't look after most videos. I don't want to feel bad. We get dislikes on our videos like within seconds of yeah. going live. So it's, it's like, like someone oh, out there this is really fucking meaningless. Yeah. I don't care. Um, but uh, viewers can still dislike videos to tune their recommendations and okay. privately share feedback with creators. Here's my feedback. Your video fucking sucks. <laughs> I hope you still feel bad, even though apparently this has solved harassment by not showing how many people publicly told you to fuck I, off. I don't even know where to look in Creator Studio to find this information. Nor would I ever want to. Like, are they? Is YouTube going to be like... Because they send they send analytics emails like yeah, yeah. hey by the way yeah. you're getting a lot more dislikes <laughs> recently hey you haven't checked your dislikes in a while there's a lot of them people <laughs> think your videos suck yeah here's so here's what people are saying <laughs> uh, so look I, I feel like it doesn't solve the actual problem they were going for no which is to stop bullying and harassment because even if there's no like words attached to it like it still hurts I can't hit the dislike button well I'll just leave a comment <laughs> yeah. instead. It's a little oh, more work. I actually feel. It's a little more work, but I'm just that much of a piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, now, okay. Obviously, bullying and harassment campaigns are terrible. 
it would be great if YouTube could identify and track these kinds of metrics to punish those involved and maybe remove the count from videos where it's clearly an orchestrated attack, more of a reactive kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, with the plan they're rolling out, creators are still going to clearly see that they're being targeted. Wow, that video got a lot of dislikes. I'm not going to tell anybody, though. It'll be my little secret. Only I know. Hey, everybody. People love this video. Are you sure about that? Because the comments seem That's to indicate crazy. otherwise. No dislikes. Wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, removing by removing the count from videos across its entire platform, like Elliot said, they're potentially removing a utility that the dislike count actually brought to the table, visually showing whether a video is worth your time. Some videos are just bad. Yeah. Or the video shows what it is promoting to show, or it isn't a complete scam that you should avoid. Yeah. The worst ones are like the how-to videos that's just like uh, basically trying to trick you into downloading some very scammy looking software. Yeah. Some tool you don't need. But no, that's like the, there's a, I feel like there's a lot less as far as like home improvement and repairing stuff goes. Like, but specifically with how to fix very specific software glitches. Yeah, it's or yeah, like game breaking things. Yeah. There's so many videos. Like I would say if it's a, a pretty specific thing with like Adobe Premiere or like a new video game, there's like five videos and one of those videos will be perfect. Mm -hmm. And with, uh, I have like a add on that shows you the like and dislike count on the search page. So that is literally how I look for what videos are going to be worth mm. it to watch. So kind of ruins a very important utility in the, because YouTube has always been, you know, it's marketed as a creator platform or whatever, but it's always been actually like the world's most handy search engine. Yeah. So this kind of like takes a little bit of that away. It certainly does. But in response to the concerns that it is doing exactly that by taking it away, YouTube said, we heard during the experiment that some of you have used the public dislike count to help decide whether or not to watch a video. We know that you might not agree with this decision, but we believe that it's the right thing to do for the platform. Bye! We heard your complaints and we decided to ignore them. We heard you loud and clear. <laughs> and your opinion does not matter. <laughs> uh, not sure what they're scared of anyway. They already canceled YouTube Rewind going forward, so Good. they don't have anything to worry about. Good. Yeah. Bullying works. Just allow the White House to turn off likes and dislikes entirely, which I think you can already do. I think big channels already do that. I think we have the ability like to turn off likes uh, and dislikes. Yeah, I yeah, I think because yeah, you go to like the White House account. I don't think you can see con there's no comments, there's no likes and dislikes. Yeah, you can disable comments for sure. Um, but so, like, yeah, okay, know. so if if you're a creator that's getting harassed, I'm sorry. Like, look, it's the internet; it happens. Like, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. It shouldn't happen. But like, turn your like and dislikes off, or have the option if it's not an option. Yeah. I should know this. We run a channel. But I, I think you can turn off likes and dislikes. I don't know. They've changed YouTube Studio so much that like, I, I can never find anything. Like The old stu YouTube Studio was kind of shitty looking, but it had all the things in like logical places. And now it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And it's been two years, and I'm still mad. Yeah. Anyway, moving on now, though. We have an update to the tragic events that played out in Houston, Texas last weekend during Travis Scott's Astro World Festival. Uh, if you want more information about that, you can watch our video from earlier this week. But would it surprise anyone at all to hear that all those stories that mostly the police were telling us about some madman running around the festival injecting people with fentanyl uh, and yeah, they, they, like the cops, the everyone in authority, they were keeping real hush hush about the details of what was happening, which is standard protocol, but really, really pushing 
this idea. We've also got reports that, that there might have been a, a madman on the loose. Yeah, there was a fentanyl assassin making their way through the crowd. Who targeted the festival maybe, to stab and inject Maybe that's who caused all this. Uh, yeah. would, it, would it surprise you at all that that was total fucking bullshit? Completely made up. No basis <laughs> in reality. Yeah. Would it surprise you? Because we, we kind of called it. Yeah. I, I felt like I was going crazy. I'm like, I'm going to look real bad if this turns out to be true. But I have a good feeling this is bullshit. I'm, me and, I messaged Elliot when this was happening, and I was like, not to sound conspiratorial, but this fentanyl thing is absolute bullshit, right? Yeah. Like, this person stabbing people with a, uh, going around stabbing people with fentanyl, that's bullshit, right? And it's like, yeah, of course it is. But you don't want to sound crazy, but it's actually not was. even how fentanyl fucking works. No, like, you have to be within yeah. 10 meters of it and you just die. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, we and many, many, many others knew that this sounded like complete bullshit from the beginning. And it seemed to be a way to just conveniently pass blame from the local authorities, performers and Live Nation, the people actually responsible for ensuring the safety of this event. Over to those pesky attendees themselves. The fans. And their drugs. Yeah. And their syringes that they stuck in the festival yes. so that they could avoid lawsuits and blame. Yeah. It's not our fault. It was the that dang syringe bandit. Yes. Uh, so the original story was that a security guard, after allegedly being resuscitated with Narcan, told police that he had been stabbed or pricked in the neck by something which caused him to instantaneously overdose. Uh, this led to the idea that someone was running around injecting people with fentanyl, which is what caused so many people to collapse and die. It's not crowd control. It's the fentanyl. And in the response, I don't know about uh, Travis Scott's response, but in the response from, like, the official festival, like, they were very clear that, like, something happened. Mm -hmm. They didn't, like, say, like, we don't know. It was, like, something occurred. Well, now that story has officially been debunked because it was always bullshit. They should have never entertained it as even it a makes possible them look reality. Ridiculous and and actually diabolical. Yeah, like this was a, some kind of planned response. It actually looks really fucking bad on the police department and local officials. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so here's the news from the Washington Post. Houston Police Chief Troy Finner on Wednesday said medical staffers had given investigators incorrect information mm. that a security officer had been drugged at the deadly Astroworld Festival. Whoops. The frightful false account of the guard getting pricked by a needle, blacking out and waking up after an injection of an overdose reversing treatment was disproved by the guard himself, oh. Finner said, after <laughs> first sharing the story with the public the day after the concert. Pro probably should have asked that guy before we told the news. Uh, I, it's also like an added bonus that he's <laughs> blaming the medical staff. Now. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they, you know the medical staff? The only people that could, could save lives there? They uh, lied to the police. They said everyone's getting stabbed by fentanyl. Because the only other truth could be that the police just, just made it up. Yeah. They just, we made it up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's yeah. the only excuse. The unsolved mystery. Because, no, and it wasn't It even, didn't happen. So that's the craziest part, too. And, again, not to sound conspiratorial, but that's the craziest part, is that this theory didn't come from some fan in attendance. No. This wasn't something that appeared online in TikToks, on Instagram feeds, or uh, in Twitter threads. Uh, it did after it was announced by officials. This didn't, this wasn't like a fan-born theory. No. This came from a medical personnel or the police themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And where's the Narcan if this never happened? I mean, maybe he got Narcan. I, I don't know. There's a lot of questions. But, uh, I mean, even, even if the police and medical staff had reason to believe that something like this happened, 
you don't just go run to the news without With that verifying it. it. Yeah, like because it becomes almost a terrorist attack. Yeah, like wait a day, get the lab results back. Anything. Talk to the fucking guard after he wakes up. Uh, I don't want to alarm anyone. But there may have been an attacker stabbing people with deadly doses of fentanyl at a music festival. I don't want to alarm anybody. And, uh, oh wait, yeah, sorry, that was- That was completely made <laughs> up. Disregard. Now <laughs> the thing I just said, insane. yeah, just, uh, that's not true. Insane, Whoops. it was, it is literally insane watching this happen live. Yeah. Like, again, we're laughing at the ridiculousness of the, the, the concert is an absolute tragedy. Yeah. It's insane that this theory was floated. Wildly irresponsible. <laughs> completely irresponsible. Uh, the article continues, the unsubstantiated claim about the syringe attack is yet another case of law enforcement sharing unfounded claims about the risk of drug exposure for first responders and others. How does this keep happening? The story, which critics had called implausible, was investigated as a preliminary theory after eight people died and many more were injured amid a crush of concertgoers rushing to the stage where rapper Travis Scott was performing Friday night. Finner had previously said that medical staff members at the event told responding officers about the guard having a puncture wound in his neck. But days later, he said investigators followed up with the guard and were told that wasn't the case. Quote, his story was not consistent with that, Finner said. He says he was struck in the head, he went unconscious, and he woke up in a security tent. He says no one injected him with drugs. Huh. Well, uh, whoops. Turns out we flat out lied. I'm going to need to call the news up and, uh, hey, guys. Hey, New York Post, remember <laughs> that story that you ran with headlines about how a maniac was running around stabbing? Just a, just a little update. We talked to the guy, who the guy who got, it, yeah, he, he said it didn't. Anyway, disregard. Yeah, you know, uh, the entire thing was bullshit. He didn't even get uh, stuck in the neck with anything. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> fucking ridiculous. Just the most insane thing on top of so many insane things yeah. that have come out of this terribly tragic event. Like, but, uh, horrible event. Lawsuits are already being filed. Against uh, everyone. Against everyone. Yeah. So, the saga continues. We will keep you updated on that. But yeah. uh, moving on now to another story that we've covered recently. Britney Spears is officially free and her conservatorship has been terminated. The free Britney movement has succeeded. Fuck off, dad. Yeah. Here's NPR. Hashtag Free Britney is no longer an activist rallying cry. It's now a fact. The conservatorship that had controlled Britney Spears' finances, personal life, and medical decisions since 2008, and which for many years was controlled by her father, Jamie Spears, was terminated Friday afternoon in a Los Angeles courtroom. Judge Brenda Penny said the conservatorship of Spears' person and her estate is no longer required, effective immediately. The conservatorship was split into two parts. The conservatorship of Spears' estate, which controlled all her income and financial decisions, and the conservatorship of Spears' person, which was in charge of her well-being and health. Jamie Spears had been suspended as conservator of her estate in late September after the singer accused her father of exploiting her. The singer and her lawyer, Matthew Rosengart, had asked the court to end the conservatorship with no further medical or psychological evaluations of Spears, which was granted. On Friday in court, Montgomery said she hoped Spears would live a safe, happy, and fulfilling life. Hey, we hope she does too. Good for her. It would be funny, though, <clears throat> if she just immediately like shaves off her hair and starts hitting a car with an umbrella again. I hope she doesn't. I hope. Yeah, that, I, I hope, hope everything that, is completely. Normal. But it would be funny if she. It would be if uh, if she just immediately like spirals out of control. I hope it doesn't happen. I hope she lives a happy, yes, safe exactly, life. Yes. But it would be it would be funny. Uh, <laughs> it. I don't know. Funny is the right word. I would. Funny think, in like, a hypothetical way. Well. 
I don't even know what to say. I, I, I don't. It, it, the, you know, comedy's subjective. It is. It, uh, if this was a fictional character, yeah, and yeah, they yeah. spent years uh, trying to get uh, control of their life back, and then just immediately <laughs> burned their own house down on accident, I think she'll be fine. She'll be fine. I think she'll be fine. I think yeah. Now she gets paid. Yeah, which is great. She was playing in Vegas like every night yeah. and just. Not making a penny off of it. Yeah. Having to go call up her dad anytime she wanted to eat. It was Anybody. fucking insane. Couldn't even use an iPad. No. I wish the best for her. Yeah, like, yeah, it's ridiculous. Of course. Uh, anyways, as an update, because uh, I shit all over the beta. It was garbage. I, I did get a copy of uh, COD Vanguard, and I'm actually very much enjoying it. Yeah, I saw you on there playing it. Yeah, I, I, I had a lot of... I played for hours yesterday. It was great. Um, I will say, I hated it, and then I switched to hardcore mode. Now I love it. I can't play the other one. You shoot someone with bullets, they keep on running. Yeah. Uh, hardcore mode, you aim, you fire, boom. Yeah, yeah, hardcore mode is, uh, yeah. But it's the maps preferable fun. in a lot of ways. There's a bunch of like old maps from other Call of Duties in it. Uh, it's way less confusing because there's not a bazillion different things to do. And like, remember, it was like Call of Duty like two or three years ago where they kind of made it like Overwatch where you had like a special talent or something. That was uh, Black Ops 4. Four. Yeah, they had heroes. Yeah, no, miss me with all that. This yeah. one's simple, dumb, yeah. and ex- it, it reminds me of COD like 12 years ago. Nice. So I actually had a lot of fun with it. I was on playing for a while. Still waiting for that new Warzone map. December 2nd, I think. That was the one thing I was upset with. I got, uh, I had some uh, uh, COD points left over from COD's past. Yeah. So I was like, oh, the Battle Pass is pretty cheap because I guess it's the preseason one or something. And so I got the Battle Pass and I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to get some unlocks, have little animations pop off when I do good. Um, like half the shit or more, 70% of the shit in the battle pass is for other games. Yeah. Is it like that with Warzone 2? Yeah. So you just get, like the COD universe just... Yeah, it, yeah. now it's, at some point it's going to get out of control because, yeah, all of the guns from the last three COD games are now sharing uh, Warzone. Mm-hmm. And it's especially annoying because there's multiple, like, the real common guns, like there's multiple AK-47s, mm-hmm. there's multiple RPGs. They like aesthetically look the same, but they have slightly different specs. It's just, yeah. it's very messy. There's like 40 fucking AK- ARs that you gotta sort through. There's this one map that's really small <clears throat> that has a really gnarly choke point and has some tires. And I was literally, every time I would die, I would just run, slide into these tires, and just, just meat grind people. It was insane. I had like every kill streak. There's this kill streak where you're a flamethrower guy. Oh shit! And it, on domination, it's so funny because you're like, especially in hardcore mode, you actually can get hit a bunch of times before you die. Uh-huh. And uh, you can crossplay. So I was playing with people on Xbox, and I got the flamethrower and like tapped the button on my mouse to like turn the sensitivity up and gunned it and just went like this. And my guy was just doing 360s, just <laughs> flaming the entire thing. Brilliant. It had to be so fucking aggravating to whoever was playing. Just like, this guy's using hacks. Yeah, it was can't, can't do that. Thumbsticks. Now you just brrr, zing. Just fucking watch them spin. It's Brilliant. great. It's the new 360 no scope. Yeah. Uh, anyways, that's it for today's episode. We'll be back with some weekly weird news coming up soon. In the meantime, check out our videos from earlier this week. Uh, don't hit the like button or hit the like button. <laughs> don't hit the dislike. Do whatever button. the hell you want. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Don't hit the dislike button because it apparently changes the algorithm. But hit the like button. Leave a comment instead of disliking. Leave a com- Leave an angry comment, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.